0: And then you feel depressed because then you're like, but this is all I ever wanted.
1: This is Jackie of All Trades, a podcast that explores the multi-creative identity and the rise of the portfolio career among millennials and Gen Z in the creative industries. I'm Katura, a DJ, creative, strategist, CEO, and self-described Jackie of All Trades with a 10-year portfolio career spanning music, digital marketing, and cultural strategy. On this podcast, I speak to people who have also designed their own careers and are successfully juggling multiple creative pursuits to understand what it takes, what they've learned, and how you can do the same. This season, I'm joined by writer, content creator, podcaster, and author, Taliti, DJ, radio broadcaster, TV presenter, A&R, and music label owner, Jam Supernova, journalist, writer, strategist, and director, Nati Kasambala and DJ, writer, artist manager, music label owner, and cultural curator, Elijah. This episode is all about Jams Supernova. You may know her as a broadcaster on BBC Radio 1 Extra and 6 Music, as the Future Bounce label owner, or as a DJ killing the electronic music scene globally. Jams and I met way back when, when I joined the BBC, and she also happens to be my best friend. I'm so excited for you to hear her story.
0: Hi, I'm Jam Supernova. I'm a DJ, broadcaster, AR, um, label owner, TV presenter. <laughs> um I think that's it. I, I, I think that's it, yeah. Busy.
1: Lover of music. So let's go back to the beginning. Tell me about yeah, the start of your journey, like and how that later progressed into your career. So hobbies passion work experience like where did this start
0: in terms of like the radio side of things which i think was the real sort of epiphany moment for me one and two do radio it's kind of when everything kind of aligned because before that i loved music um I love talking about music, but I didn't know that radio would be a path, even though it's something I always listen to. I thought TV, I would be a TV presenter. You know, I used to watch like X Factor, I used to watch T4, watch MTV Bass. And I thought like that, that's it. Trevor Nelson, Makita Oliver, you know, June Sarpong. I found myself at the Brit School opening day for college um, when I was yeah, 16. And I went with a friend just to have a little look around. She wanted to go. I thought they just did music there for singers or actors. And then when I was there, I saw that they had a media course. And I was like, oh, I might just go and I'm gonna go upstairs and just check out they've got a radio studio. Should I go and check it out? And then I got in there and it was like, you know, like, oh ah. like mm-hmm. the heavens open, yeah. and it was like you. Uh-huh <laughs> so, yeah, aha. Uh-huh. So I was like, wow, that you know, this makes sense to me. And then that was kind of it. Then that was the path that um I was on. And then I did the Brit School, and Brit School's like a very mini industry. Mm-hmm. By the time I left, um, I thought, well, I don't need to go to uni because I've already got yeah. this hands-on experience. Now I want to apply it. Mm. So I ended up doing like a year's worth of work experience. So what I would do is I think I got into like a Guardian um, scheme leads to this scheme at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and then you'd get a mentor and then you'd get this kind of, you'd get put forward to be like a runner. Never got any of the runner jobs because everyone was like, but you're not going to uni, but what is this? Mm. Some sort sort of limbo for you. Like, are you going to be committed? But what I did get out of it was work experience. So for every knockback that I got, I got, work experience off the back of it so then right. I spent a whole year jumping around and what I would do at the end of every work experience placement I'd be like do you know because I know everyone's friends you know do you know where I could go next do you have any friends they'd be like oh well, let me put you in touch with my friend from um, MTV oh Sarah will love you okay and then I was working as a teaching assistant in school so then the next holiday that would come that's when I'd book it up with work experience and the last placement that I got um, I've been trying to get in there since, you know, leaving leaving uh, college and turning 18 was the BBC. So I applied three times, mm-hmm. finally got an interview. And by that point, I've been doing all this experience. I was like uh, part of this TV presenting competition with Nokia. So I had, I just was living my best life yeah. at, at a young age and had a taste of flying here, doing this, mm-hmm. being out of your comfort zone. So by the time it came to the BBC interview... I was like, yeah, I've done an outside broadcast. Yeah, I produced KP was there. And, you know, like, I was very confident in what I was saying. Um, and then I got the placement and then I never left. So it started then, yeah, but very much behind the scenes, very much kind of did the due diligence of of the work experience. And I know it's a, it's very different now. You know, if someone came in now, there's some aspects of that story that you might not have needed to do. So this wasn't strictly radio? No. This was so just like
1: media I did experience. media or media. Okay.
0: And then at the BBC... It um, just so happened that the summer that I started, I mean, they were quite short staff, so I was basically being an assistant producer. Okay. I was working on Rampage's show, I was working on um, The Breakfast Show, um, I was working on specialist shows, and I think that being thrown in the deep end is why I came back then as an assistant producer and didn't come to come back into a junior position. I always knew that being on air was the game, yeah. the, the end of the game, so the end, the, the end destination. And I remember on my first day, actually, at BBC um one of the bosses was like so do you want to be on air or off air and the person that was doing work experience firstly was like no off air off air and i was like i want to be on air and she he was said like, said that for you no they, they, he said off air he wants to be off air he wants to oh, be broken. okay i was like no i want to be on air and she was like well i'll ask you at the end of your two months and let's see if you still feel that way because i think she thought i'd get Put off, right? Like maybe it was too hard, and not yeah, like, yeah. Trying to sort of sort the wheat from the chaff or whatever. Mm. And at the end, I was like, "Yeah, it's still on air." Yeah. But I really thought in my head like that it would happen really quickly. I think mm. I was a bit naive, and maybe I had some some. it was an easy road in, but mm-hmm. nothing seemed that hard. Yeah. Until I wanted to get on air, and then that's right. when the uphill battle really started.
1: Okay, so let's go about Let's go out. How did you mm. end up on represent? So. You're doing work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You started at the BBC. Yeah. Did you start at Represent before? Exact same time. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, it's quite a divine intervention, actually. Like, just kind of happened at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on another station. So, after I left college, I always did radio. So, I did college radio. Okay. Then, did like some Sydenham community radio. Mm -hmm. So, I was always doing, kept up the radio going. And then my friend said, Oh, there's a better station called Represent. It's more young, Mm -hmm. it's for young people. And I started it the same summer that I started at the BBC. You just went Um, to them, said, like, I really want to be a presenter. Here's my show idea. Here's what I'm thinking. And then, yeah, they just sort of trialled me out. I kind of got very much embedded into represent very Mm. early on. So I did first like a one-off show. Then I started doing like a kind of, you know, kind of coming in a bit more often and Mm. just being part of the station. And then um, the drive time, they came to me about drive time. So we've we've got the drive time slot. We think you'd be really good at it. Um, can you make it work? And I was like, oh, it's going to be hard to make work, but I knew it was what I needed to do. Because this, were uh, you working full
1: time at the BBC? Uh, freelance, but full time. Okay. Freelance, but taking all the shifts under the sun. Right. So you, but, you could be there in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. During these drive time lot. Yeah. So mm. what I,
0: but I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity, but I also didn't want to miss out on the money. And I think something that I wanted to, I know I wanted to highlight in this conversation, I think what's, for me, what's made me a jack of all trades, even from before. Being in the industry, I've always done lots of different jobs. Mm-hmm. I think it's more necessity out of money. Right. And not necessarily okay. necessary. I'm not. I'm not poor. I'm not from a poor yeah, background. Yeah, yeah. But there was a lifestyle that I want mm. that wasn't afforded to me. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a bad lifestyle, yeah. but just a coast like easy one. Mm-hmm. But if I want, my mom was like, "You want those trainers? All right, cool. But you've already got trainers. So if you want those trainers, you're gonna have then, to do, you know, right, right. And right. there's that kind of mentality. Okay, but I want, I want, I want to go on holiday, yeah, and I yeah, want to do yeah, these yeah. things, you know. But I still want to work on my dreams and I live on my mm. own so with the drive time shows so what I do I, I know I'm not in a position to work any less they pay yeah. for my travel that's about it they covered the travel um but that's it so what I would do is I would do as a freelancer you can work more than one shift mm-hmm. so what I did was I worked the 8am till 4pm shift so I, took, I said to the BBC, look, I'm going to start this drive time show. I am still committed, but these are the hours that I can work mm-hmm. to the in-house BBC team. So I started doing all the 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. shifts for them. Right. So I do that. And then I would go to represent at 5 o'clock, yeah. do the show till 7. And then I would go back to the BBC because then I'd work for a production company yeah. working on the specialist shows and do 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. Oh, my God. And I did that for nine months um but it all kind of fed into each other and i just knew in that moment like i'll never have to work this hard again
1: yeah yeah, yeah. you
0: know i had a lot of like sort of mentors i was saying different areas of the one extra floor that were kind of like in my ear giving me things you know so i got to do like the r&b news on ronnie harrell show um so that was the first little and i'd make i would record it and then make it package mm-hmm. it up so they didn't have to do anything
1: Deliver to them every did you use that something that you suggested you asked
0: Yes, but someone to told me to ask them. See if you can get in on Ronnie right, Show. Okay. What could you do on Ronnie Show? And I said I came up with this R and B news thing. Yeah. That was the first sort of instance of me using both my production skills and me wanting to be on air. You know, so I was getting the um, the experience of, of of recording myself and listening to my voice and editing my voice and chopping it up. And I remember, like for example, like one of the news stories was a sad one, and my uh, the producer was like, Jams, you know, sometimes you're like really animated. <laughs> just when it's a sad story, just just." just <laughs> bring it down bring it down a little you know you know little things like that so I got that you know I got I was again they were listening they were giving me feedback um so that was like the first instance then that kind of when Ronnie's show went that kind of dried up and there wasn't that that experience I'd do a few things on air but very light stuff nothing Mm. nothing too much and then I basically worked out that I was in the building too much Right. I became part of the furniture because right. these are over the years, over the five years of trying to get the show. Mm. So now we're kind of like in the middle, it's like, okay, yeah, there's aspects of you getting good now. We can hear that you're getting better, mm. but like nobody knows who you are. Yeah. And everyone else was so exciting to them. Everybody yeah. outside the building is so excited to them. Even if I sound better, than them mm. or um whatever. They're just more exciting because they're not there. I'm right under your nose. It's Jams that we've known since she's 19. Yeah. Baby Jams, she's mm. fine, you know, whatever. So um, what I had to do, is I kind of had to scale down the amount of time that I was working there. I almost left. Okay. So I thought, I'm going to leave. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going to step out. Mm. And um, I got offered a job at Columbia. Okay. But as a sort of work experience, but a job sort of work ex- intern based mm-hmm. experience sort paid. of thing. Yeah, paid full time. But they weren't full time. Yeah, they weren't okay. flexible on the radio side of things. Still oh, wasn't. you still doing the drive time show? Um, no, I, st- I, st- I started doing like a one, one show a week but I needed to leave at a certain time um, and they weren't flexible at Mm. all with that. They weren't, they wouldn't budge um, at all. So that kind of made me feel a bit like, "Mm, not sure. Then I got offered to produce toddler show on radio one. Okay. That meant that it's a late night show, 1am on a Thursday, into Friday. I was like, Hmm, this is a great opportunity. I loved working Mm. on the show when I was covering and stuff like that. Um, I could go into the building at my own time yeah i don't have to see anyone mm. and i can live off that money just right just doing that one show yeah if i just do one show a week i can just about live off it. Mm. i could do a few other shifts here and there but that's my main thing and i'm only coming in, in the nighttime right. only coming in when the bosses aren't there
1: okay so in your mind them seeing you in the daytime was them seeing you as a radio producer mm. not as talent yeah, okay yeah. so i scaled down the amount
0: of times that I was there visible I'd only come in in the evening mm-hmm. come and work in the night um and I think that made it a big difference mm-hmm. and kind of simultaneously at the same time me starting to do a specialist show on represent mm-hmm. um I really started to like focus on this like world on SoundCloud mm-hmm. that was like you know happening and um the music and I would I was like really committed so I'd have the mixes from these guys in LA mm. on represent that the spill was you're gonna to get to be on UK radio, you know. Mm. by sending it from my BBC. Email. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, but not not BBC though, just Represent. Um <laughs> don't get gassed. <laughs> um <laughs> and then I put it on SoundCloud straight away the next day mm. or the next that night even. <clears throat> so that started like building as well. So then people were now talking and, and like because the BBC can to be a little bit slow on new genres that are taking mm-hmm. off. But because I was right there, like Jam's is doing something.
1: Oh yeah. we don't
0: even have an R and B show right now. Mm-hmm. So then people started to get like, staff started to get angry at like the power of that being like, like in the kind of like question, like Jam's is doing this really interesting take on R and B. Why has she not got a show? We do not have, have an R and B show. This whole world is happening and we're not across it. That kind yeah. of thing. Um So I think there was a few things being less visible mm-hmm. helped, actually having a finding my specialism, finding my voice, mm-hmm. finding my specialism, and something that I was really, really passionate about yeah. and becoming an expert in that area and okay. bringing to them something that they didn't have. Yeah. That definitely stood me in good stead. Okay. Um, or definitely pushed me, push mm. me up, push my head up a little bit more yeah. to them as something that they needed. It went from being, I want to be on the station to now the re- tables are re- reversing and now mm, you need they me. They need you. Yeah. So that, that, that definitely helped. Um, and then I think the the I think the comments from everybody around yeah. me, everyone was really fighting for me to mm. to get that show and, and respected people, mm-hmm. you know, people in the building that had power and authority from mm-hmm. present other presenters to senior staff. I yeah. think that they really sort of were fighting for me, mm-hmm. um, so that obviously you know massively helps right. as well. But the jigsaw, isn't it? Because mm. it's, someone can't just force you in, yeah. You know, so the first show that I actually got offered came off the back of them kicking me off toddler show
1: so literally no no employment
0: um no well you know and that's the thing of being a slashy is that you have acquired all this contacts and all and and knowledge in other areas so it was like okay well I might have lost the show Mm. I can always produce there's always shows that need producing so like within a week I was producing um, Chrissy Chris you know had a contract producing Chrissy Mm. Chris for a month um and then I got yeah then I got offered my own
1: my own show So five years, essentially, since you joined the BBC to get offered that show. And that was, you know, like you said, it's the holy grail of radio at that point. So what was that like to reach that milestone? I mean, it was, I knew it was coming by that point. Mm.
0: I knew it. So it was a bit of a different, it wasn't a shock. Okay. I knew, for maybe for the first time ever, I truly believed that I, they needed me. Mm. And actually, I don't really care whether you're going to do it or not. Because I'm doing, I'm so good doing what I'm doing right now. That was the mindset that I got mm. to over the five years of being like, please take me. Yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah. I'm good. Actually, yeah. I've got a great show on represent. I'm producing on Radio One. Um, Getting to do little warm up DJ mm. slots for, for for cool people. Like, I'm good with this. Actually, yeah. maybe this is me. Maybe yeah, this is yeah. maybe this is my portion. That's what mm. I thought. You know, my hair. Maybe it's my portion. But I thought, and if it's your portion, are you happy with that? And I thought, yeah. And that's when things started to. They started, you know, mm. that's when the interest, I think, even intensified because they maybe the, you know, if you can always dangle a carrot in front of someone, you always will. But if their tables turn and they
1: become more, you know, their worth, that's yeah. exciting to people. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, maybe that's the piece that they were always missing. Isn't that interesting when you start, you go in something like you're almost desperate for it, mm-hmm. you really desperate. want it. No yeah. Desperate, desperate. yeah. Oh. You want it. Like your whole life depends yeah. on this. Yeah, you, yeah, want yeah, it. Yeah. you want it, you want it. At that point, you don't even probably realise, you don't even have the knowledge or the experience to actually do a good job yeah. in, No, in and I would have got it,
0: if I got it in 1921, I would have lost Deft it. I wouldn't it, be yeah. sitting here <laughs> and I wouldn't be the broadcaster I am and I wouldn't have the knowledge that I have mm. and I wouldn't have the specialism that I have. But I remember the call. So I knew that I was like, I knew I was on fire by that point. I'm, like, I'm on fire, like shit's puffing for me. Yeah. Like I'm feeling good, like, and then, um, and I knew I was doing something different. So it wasn't mm. just, it wasn't just being on fire for the sake of being on fire. I felt like I was training, I was doing something, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I felt exciting. So when I got the call, like I got a call from Limla, who was the PA to, uh, to Ben Cooper, who at the time was running the One Extra Asian Network and Radio, Radio One. One. So then Limla's like, Ben wants a meeting with you. And then I went in and yeah, <laughs> it happened. People don't talk about this side of it. Like it's something you've wanted for so long mm. and then you get it. And I think a lot, you don't, like there's fireworks. It's amazing. It's emotion. You can't tell anyone. Yeah, so that's, kinda, that's the first thing. Yeah. So you've known about it for a month before you can even tell anyone. Mm. But then there is the thing of what now? Yeah. Because then you get everything you've wanted, you're doing it, and it's great. But then there's other aspects of your life that I enjoyed. I went from working all the hours under the sun to doing one day a week. Mm. Working one day a week, you know, on a show. Yeah. Because before, all that time was spent hustling towards yep. that. And now I'm doing the show one day a week, and it's not really f- fulfilling me, mm. actually. One day is not. Fulfilling me financially. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fulfilling me financially. Or, or spiritually. Or spiritually. Yeah. And then you feel depressed because then you're like, but this is all I ever wanted. And I did kind of get into a little bit of depression after mm. that. And I think I remember speaking to you and you were like, oh, what time did you wake up today? I was like, I don't know, three o'clock. You're like, oh, you've got to get out of bed, sweetie. <laughs> You gotta get up there's <laughs> <laughs> nothing to get up for and it's just you know only get up on the days that I actually mm, had actually have know. To, yeah. to be at work it's not not productive not constructive mm. like and what did I suddenly do with all this time because I spent all this other time brainstorming um, scheming you know thinking plotting, yeah, yeah, yeah. planning you know and then to, to only have one hit it, um mm. for a couple of hours on a Saturday and not that much prep time involved. Yeah, It was an interesting one, well, and I've, I've, you know, read in other books, people, a lot of people have experienced that. I was speaking mm. to a friend actually recently who's just got a, a book that's coming out and she had the real big, high, And she's like, but well, why am I crying today?
1: Mm. And I'm like, it
0: happens, honey, yeah, like, yeah. it does happen. Um, and we don't talk about that side enough, yeah. but, and you have to be careful who you speak to it about because to some people it's like, well, you just got what you wanted. Why are you moaning? S- stop moaning. Stop moaning. Yeah. This is what you asked yeah, for, yeah, you know, yeah. like, why are you sad? And it's yeah. not that you're sad. It's just you have to shift the mm. thing, and actually, I think we think the mountaintop is like so sweet. Yep. And I genuinely do wish if I could talk back to my younger self would be the journey mm. because the journey was amazing. Just about. To and now say I that. can appreciate that as, yeah. as you know, ten years on. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can appreciate that journey, but um, when I was in it, I don't think I was very much aware of what happened. Mm. But I was lived a great. I had a great time, great fun. Like yeah, yeah. some really interesting, amazing things that weren't part of being on air, mm. just by being in production. Yeah. Just by doing the job, that was the job.
1: Yeah. I, just, I met and some amazing it. people,
0: did some amazing things, learnt so much about myself, acquired a skill set, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, never, I, I think that's really important to point out. The mountain isn't. And now I know that the destination
1: isn't the goal. That something I think that probably doesn't make sense to people until you, you experience it. it. And I think genuinely, like, for my own journey, like, you know, it was so much experimentation. Mm. I left uni absolutely knew I didn't want to do anything to do with my degree I did a degree in international business in Spanish and then I did a master's in business analytics so I was like I don't know what I want to do but I'm pretty sure it ain't that and then off the back of that went back home was doing internships for the sake of internships so my mom would save my back to be honest and outside of that started a music blog and from there I was like oh maybe I could film interviews. so then I learned to film I learned to edit started doing um live music nights and honestly, all of that was like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if this is going to be the most amazing and the most prolific uh, music night in the world. I don't know if it's going to be the biggest blog in the world, but at that point I was like, I'm just learning so much. Like the journey of whatever the destination is, I actually can't control and I'm not super fussed about right now. Um, But the journey and just kind of exploring and experimenting and collaborating with different people, that was the win for me. But I think again, it's probably a difference of you knew from the beginning. You knew early on. You want to be, whether it's TV or radio. You want to be in that role. You want to be presenter. Um, and I think maybe not having that helped with my mindset of being like, okay, cool. It's not. Really, I don't have a super high end goal. And even when I got into the BBC and I was about to leave the BBC, like I was a social media producer at the BBC. So naturally, you might think your aspiration is to go into a massive uh, social media agency or create creative agency and be a director on all of that. I was like. Not really, like, I just want to create things, I want to make things, but I think, yeah, it's not, and over the years, obviously, your career's changed, my career's changed, we've both grown and developed, and I feel like we do have a lot of conversations back and forth about, this is what you asked for, mm. be in this moment, yep. whether it was, you know, getting Glastonbury or booking yep. different gigs and being like, okay, cool, you got it, but enjoy this moment enjoy around it, yeah. it, like, don't put all this pressure on it, just enjoy it for what it is, everything that you did to get to this point, there's so much in that there's so much mm. enjoyment in that all the shenanigans all the gigs that are like all the random gigs all the terrible gigs like yeah, all yeah. of it's, it's all part of it. of it yeah playing on mixes that ain't great like all of that yeah. is just part of it yeah. but I think it's not apparent unless you either you come out from my perspective and you don't actually have you know one super passion mm. or you for whatever reason like it, it you have that switch where straight away you clock yeah. it's not about the destination so I understand but I think yeah you have to kind of experience that to to really get to grips yeah. with it. Um,
0: and, and I think it changes as you get older as well, because then if I was to use the example of getting on Six Music, that was a different experience. Oh, mm-hmm. Because even though it was something that I I decided that I wanted at some point, mm-hmm. I decided it, but it was kind of in a very relaxed way. Yeah. I do, say one extra was like, please take me, please, yeah, take, yeah, me, yeah. please take, me, take me, take me, take me. Whereas Six Music was like, hey, it's cool over there. Yeah, maybe, it's up, so maybe someday. Maybe. I'll put the feelers up, a but good, someday, yeah. yes."
1: good good goal to have good the goal future. to have but yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm not gonna put all your no yeah. you
0: know and I think that was a very different experience coming mm-hmm. into that because it that was the first time I experienced something like organically mm-hmm. you know and not having to like kick down the yeah, door yeah, yeah. and drag myself and through so <laughs> I like, feel so desperate I feel so desperate yeah I didn't I didn't feel that because and again that maybe the self-worth had grown I knew that what I was doing was valid and mm-hmm. what I was doing was good and it would be a nice union if we should, if you should want me but if you don't we're still good keep it moving we're still gonna keep yeah, it pushing yeah exactly
1: What I love most about Jams' story is she always wants to learn about every aspect of what she's doing. So in radio, that was learning to be a good broadcaster and a good producer. Our next episode is going to include all of our guests and we're going to talk about the role of technology and the internet their career-defining moments, what connects the dots between their pursuits and the implications when one of your creative pursuits makes more or less money than the others. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever we get you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on socials too. We're at JOAT Podcast UK on Instagram and TikTok. There's loads more content there and you can also watch these episodes on YouTube as well.